0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from what I watched tonight, and joining me from across the pond is the statesman to my kingsman, John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, my friend?
1: I am doing very well, Matt. I hope you are doing well over there in jolly old England. Uh, yes, jolly old England has a has
0: a heatwave at the minute, so... Um, uh, as us brits do we're having a moan because it's too hot but then when the autumn slash fall comes and it gets too cold we'll all be moaning that it's not warm enough so uh us brits like to moan about queues moan about the lack of tea in the shops and the weather and that's what we've been doing this week however not all of us but we'll save that uh, i'm doing I, i'm doing okay though uh how's florida how you keeping it sane
1: it's it's a little high uh Florida's you know, we're leading the, the Delta variant COVID crisis over here. So that's always exciting. Um, and of course, yep. nothing is being said about it. It's just that's happening and we're not doing anything to stop it. So that's fun. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's uh, same old, same old over here in Florida. We're in denial. And uh, yeah, that's, I'm just hoping that uh, everything will be uh, normal. Uh, I forgot to mention, actually, yes, this past week, uh,
0: our, our and savior, Boris, Declared it was Freedom Day on the nineteenth of July. COVID is officially gone, according to our uh, leaders, uh, despite mm. the fact that the infection is rising day in day out, and people passing away is getting higher and higher. It, uh, Freedom Day is coming, so all restrictions are gone. You can go out, to nightclubs, pubs, restaurants, bars, uh, stadia, whatever it might be, and mingle without a mask on. Um, because it it's uh, gone. It-
1: isn't he quarantining as well because he was exposed he, to someone with the Delta variant him.
0: Yeah. The health secretary, the guy who's in yeah. charge of leading the, uh, leading the charge against the damn thing, uh, has got it. And then it was even funny. without meaning to get political was both of them were not actually going to isolate. They, they, they were going to not isolate as a test. You know, they almost wow. and then and, until the, until the, basically the public went absolutely bonkers. We have to isolate for 10 days or two weeks when we get it. So can you. And eventually they're like, oh, actually, yes, we've scrapped plans to uh, not isolate and we are going to now. So it's, uh, it's all going well over here in the UK. Um, So with that being said, COVID is still in the world. Be safe. Uh, But one thing that has been open for a while now is theaters. And on the bloody awesome movie podcast, we do quite like a movie. Uh, and John and myself are very, very, very partial to a cinema trip, a theater trip when it's safe to do so. It has been, for the last few weeks now so we've been going back to watch films which has been wonderful to actually get out and watch i don't want to i don't want to uh sound condescending some of the films you've watched but you know these big releases in the cinema is great and that's what we do here on the bloody awesome movie podcast we take one film per week usually the biggest release or the most interesting and we deliver a non-spoiler review of it in a few days time we will drop a spoiler review of the film that we're talking about this week and that film is escape room Tournament of Champions which is a sequel to Escape from from a few years it's directed by Ad- Adam Robertell, written by oh this is never a good sign written by Oren Uziel Fritz Boom Will Honley Maria Melnick Christine Lavaff and Daniel Tuck that is six screenwriters for an escape from sequel uh, it stars Taylor Russell and Logan Miller returning India Moore Holland Roden uh, Thomas Cockerel Carlito Olivero and Jay Irving Uh, and the synopsis reads six people unwittingly find themselves locked in another series of escape rooms slowly uncovering what they have in common to survive as they discover all the games that they've played before Uh, the critics 48% on Rotten Tomato critically 46 on Metascore and IMDB gives it a 6.3 on the user rating and as I mentioned up top, this is now available worldwide in theatres. So you can go out and check this one out at the theatres. So what we what we do now, John and myself, we'll give our thoughts on the film, a full non-spoiler. So again, if you haven't seen the film, we're not going to ruin it for you. We're certainly not going to spoil what happens anyway. So up top, I didn't, I didn't mind Escape Room. I, I, I wasn't as taken by a lot of people. Uh, it wasn't awful, it wasn't bad It just, I just didn't grab me So I wasn't entirely um, Excited going into Escape Room Tournament of Champions However, it's a horror film of sorts So I'm excited for that uh, And I'm always going to be open-minded about it So I went into Escape Room Tournament of Champions And I came out uh, And I thought it was uh, it wasn't As good as the first film And I wasn't a fan of the first film particularly So uh, I wasn't a big fan of Escape Room Tournament of Champions. I thought it was quite lacklustre in a lot of departments. I don't know if that's owing to the the rating of the film, maybe whether it could have benefited from being a 50 an R rating, sorry. Uh, not because it should be dark and gritty and gory, but I think some of the moments in it would have benefited from just being a bit harder hitting. Uh, so it follows Zoe again and Ben from the first film, as they're trying to take down the, the the Minus Corporation, Minus Corporation, who are the bad guys in the first film. Uh, and as that synopsis said, they are pulled back into an escape room uh, with four other unwitting participants. Uh, and as, to- as the title says, it and, f- and somebody in the film says, uh, it's a tournament of champions. So uh, uh, it's not really a tournament, though, is it? I don't think it seems to just be more people thrown in a the room. There's lots of screaming. One of the characters uh, really, really didn't... None of the characters worked for me, I'll say that. I think Zoe and uh, Ben from the last film, Taylor Russell and Logan Miller, are they're, they're, you know, passable. I don't think they're anything particularly great. That's not a slight on their their acting. I just don't think the characters are very good. Uh, Holland Roden, as uh, Rachel, god damn, I really didn't like her character. Um, she just rubbed me up the wrong way. Through a lot of the film again, down to the the bad writing of the film, but um, it felt, as I mentioned, lackluster. It didn't. I didn't feel any tension. I thought. I didn't think the rooms were as inventive as the first film. What I will say is the mm. first film was inventive. Uh, I did. I did like that, and it just. It, there didn't really seem to be much of a, of a momentum to this film it it tried it really did a there's, there's one elongated sequence uh towards the beginning of the film which is in the trailers partly which uh they really kind of use that as that that's a highlight of the film that particular sequence and it goes on for a little while but then after that it it's kind of devolves a little bit for me and it, uh, it wasn't it didn't work for me uh, there are like I say the first one was well received because it was inventive it was a bit of fun this one tried to replicate that and throw in a few twists, but I, I, I didn't get anything from this one at all. My friend, Uh tournament of champions were you are, you going to champion this one.
1: Um, not, not fully, but more mm-hmm. than you for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I still had a good time with this movie. Um, also I got to sometimes if a movie is so fast that it, it kind of makes you feel like it was good like mm-hmm. you know i mean like i went to the movie at three o'clock on thursday <laughs> and my movie theater has notoriously always had 20 minutes of trailer so 320 yes. my movie actually begins right yeah i got out of there before five. Oh, it's only an hour and a half isn't it? it's about an hour and 28 minutes i think with credits and I was, yeah and i was just like stunned i was like wow i it's early. i have, plenty of time to still have a day you know i've seen the movie i was going to see and i still got time to do things and so right away i was already like that's a positive experience um i think the first movie i really liked like it was such a such a shock for a january pg horror movie to be entertaining Mm -hmm. um and i did think taylor russell and logan miller were really good in that I thought the overall character structure in that movie was really compelling. And while I think there were some of the same problems with, uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily call them plot holes, but this movie alludes to a lot of things. Like they're going to go into detail and then they don't have time to go into any detail. And so you're left with a bunch of questions that I don't think we should be left with. I think um, there is interesting ideas that don't get explored And I feel like there's probably footage of those things being explored that get cut out for time. That's Mm -hmm. what especially this movie felt like, that they were rushing like, no, 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 we got to keep it under 90 minutes. So all this story, all these like back, you know, these backstories that we're referencing and this uh, idea of there being a bigger picture to why these six people are in this quote unquote tournament of champions doesn't really go anywhere. And I think that is one of the big downfalls of the film as a whole. I disagree with the momentum thing though. I thought once it got going, I was like on board and it felt like a, uh, like a, a movie ride almost, you know, where you're just bulleting forward uh, very little downtime and that's not a complaint. I enjoyed that. I, I, mm-hmm. um, I think the setup for the quote unquote tournament of champions is really, <laughs> really sweaty. Um, like well, yep. we understand how Zoe and Ben end up in the, uh, the subway car that is at, in the trailer, but it really doesn't make sense why the other four are there. Like, it makes almost zero sense that they would have all ended up on that train at the same time. Especially when you consider how Zoe and Ben got there. Because, yes. like, wait, <laughs> wh- wait a minute. Hold on. That how did carriage. they all end up? Yeah. Uh, so, that the setup alone is very sweaty. Especially when you compare it to the first movie where everyone got these little cool puzzle boxes. And they solved the puzzle. And then they all ended up at the escape room. Like, that was a cool setup. And I really liked that. <laughs> this one's like, yeah, we couldn't figure it out. So we just, you know, just go with it. And you're like, well, no, that doesn't, that's not how things work. Um, So I, I thought that was like, I was really like, oh God, this is bad. And once it got going though, I was like, okay, no, these are really cool puzzles. I agree. I think they were better in the first movie, but they're hard to come up with. I, I wouldn't be able to come up with that many back to back to back. To, it's not like they're doing one puzzle for the movie. It's like five to six puzzles. Um, in the first movie, I think we get some similar number here. And uh, I like all of them. I don't think they're all super innovative, but I do think they're interesting. And I was, I get, I don't know if it's just like a fixation. I find like the mythology and like the puzzle solving to be really compelling in movies. A fear street has a similar thing kind of going on with the, uh, the overall mythology of the trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I read other people kind of saying, oh, I don't really care about it. I was like completely hooked on that. That was one of the things that I was initially like, ooh, I'm so curious. And I think that's similar here where like there's a, early on you start seeing there's something that's connecting this thread that connects all of the escape rooms. And I was, I was hooked on that and I really wanted to know. And I was a little surprised at some decisions towards the end, which again, I won't get into specifics, but I was a little surprised at some of the decisions. But it also... I found those more compelling than not compelling. Um, but yeah, I, I do think the character development here is very, very small. Um, we're supposed to just be rooting for Zoe and Ben because of the first movie. And I was, um, cause I did like them both. Uh, to be honest, I, I'd kind of forgotten a lot of the first movie though, because it's been two mm-hmm. years. Um, so it was, it wasn't, it didn't have as much favor going in as some other sequels would have um, where I'm really like attached to stuff. Like this was like, I had a really good time with that first one. I've barely thought about it since I saw it. Um, maybe it won't hold up if I rewatch it. But I would say this for me fell in the middle. I-, I thought this was, it was entertaining enough. There's a lot of things that kind of bug me if I, if I think too hard on them. And again, I, I do think the setup is real, real sweaty. Um, I feel like they could have gone a, maybe a little darker with the setup, like go more saw where people just wake mm-hmm. up in a, in the puzzle versus like, we're just supposed to accept that this all happened coincidentally apparently um so like you know maybe maybe the r rating could have at least i I don't think you need the r rating to be honest i think you can go darker without going gory and bloody and that's where maybe they didn't know what to do or they were just being lazy with the writing but some of that felt a little even maybe not lazy maybe they're going too hard to make this movie something it's not like there's like a like a superhero righteousness to, to Zoe's character. And it's like, I don't, I don't know that we need that, you know, like maybe she doesn't have to be fighting the company or whatever. Cause even like uh, some of the lines in this are real, real cheesy. And uh, of course the one where they call it a tournament of champions, but also
0: God damn,
1: um, She's like, I'm not playing your games. I'm like, you've 100% been playing your games. That's <laughs> how you're here. <laughs> the whole time you've been saying, we've got to play the game to get out of this damn thing. Yeah, so it's like, that line doesn't work at all. Like, I appreciate the sentiment that you don't <laughs> want to play their games but it's a complete lie that you're not playing the games because that's this whole franchise right now. It's um, oh,
0: the F word. There it is. It's, the first film worked because uh, yes, the first film clearly set up. There was going to be a sequel and there was potential because look, if saw can make 17 films by creating new traps each time, new inventive, bigger traps, why can't you make escape rooms? They're going to do that. Fine. But mm-hmm. this film, this, I don't think this franchise, i I don't think this franchise lends itself. Well, to being a franchise i think it works quite well by itself like a film like cute way back in the day Uh, i just leave it as it is
1: i think it could i think what's if you look at the difference is that there's a protagonist carrying over into the two movies and it saw notoriously it's not the protagonist that carries over to the next films right like it's no, yeah, the it's antagonist true. links everything together i mean you've done like horror franchises obviously have had that like laurie strode in the halloween franchise but eventually they they pull laurie strode away right like she's not the Me. focus on later halloweens um, until they come back to it because they ran out of ideas but you know like um <laughs> buster rhymes because the draw isn't the protagonist for these movies the draw is the the murder house right like it's yep. the escape room and so yeah I don't know that we need uh we need a protagonist in each each film that we want to survive and root for um but I mean and in this like there is this kind of implied capitalistic fight because it's like the Minos is this evil corporation who like the rich are gambling on the poor kind of thing yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like we already have the purge that's doing that same idea. Oh, that's it's just, what I mean.
0: You don't, you don't need. I, I read that Robert, Robert Tell said that he views the Minos company as um, a, you know a company that can bring down a stock market, can bring down planes, and right. can basically bend anything to their will. If they can bet on it and have fun with it, they'll do it. And that's when I thought, well, then you really are deviating from like the purge. You're almost deviating from what made that first film pretty decent. You're just expanding it, becoming too big and too too indulgent with your own law and then they're already started the mechanics of the film is a uh, film or the franchise have already started to be bent and skewed with this one and i don't mean mm-hmm. that you can't change uh the rules somewhat or can't you know mess around with them a little bit but by having a overarching corporation who can just basically do anything in the world it, it will soon be called be called escape room in name only when they're you know on a plane or on a boat yeah. or something
1: well, we'll talk in spoilers, one area, but there's a part where Logan and or Ben, the character, questions the actions of, of the previous movie with the other people that he's met from the Tournament of Champions, and mm-hmm. they don't answer it. And it's like, well, he, you had him ask it, and yep. then they don't answer it. It's like you're pointing out a, a major plot hole in the first movie to now, and I, I definitely want to address that, because um, again, it there I feel like there's okay so when when we watched um oh the what was the evil superman movie that uh the gun was attached to um the e superman it wasn't actually superman but it was like a kid that was like superman uh oh he killed uh, brightburn yes that movie felt like there were four different ideas for how to take the character and mm-hmm. none of them got completely cut out <laughs> so like you're introduced to, like these four this could be the reason that this kid is evil And then they kind of lean into one of them but those other ideas were still suggested and so it felt like sloppy that's this too there's several times where it looks like they're going like "Ooh, maybe this is going to be there and it's not a red herring because that's that's different red herring is a purposeful mislead to then you reveal something these are like oh here's an idea you know what never mind but they didn't cut it out of the script so it's still there
0: it's bad writing right lazy
1: or, or yeah you know it's it's what this is this movie's here to make money it's not here to do anything else and unfortunately when that happens it gets sloppy and you get you get you know you get this kind of haphazard where it's like there's there are sediments of good ideas sprinkled throughout this film but none of them really coalesce into that good solid idea and again because you see where there's all these little seeds planted of potential other ideas that never get explored it feels like missed opportunities and that's a shame um because i do think i think there's potential here because the escape room premise is really cool and it does allow for some really innovative set design um and some fun you know quote unquote kills i i hate saying fun kills in 2021 because it just feels maybe a little too dark (laughs) but that's the allure of a lot of horror films right like the slasher movies we don't keep watching the jason films because of the protagonist. we watch them because we want to see how jason's going to kill these evil campers next and yeah and they get more and more ridiculous and that's when they get more and more entertaining right because they're not believable they're like completely preposterous but that's why they're fun to watch versus you know um like we i'm not looking for grounded killings in these movies i want to see the crazy escape room that doesn't make total sense but cool it looks visually compelling like the use of electricity in the subway is really really cool here and there's a whole thing with uh acid later i won't again say what but like that sequence i'm like that's a really innovative way to torture these people and Mm -hmm. that's engaging as the movie goes on but then then again and it's not that i don't care about the characters it's not like to me that's not the issue i didn't want any of them to die there was no one in particular that i was (laughs) like ooh, they suck um but at the same time I, i also was not like i i don't go into a movie like this thinking all the characters are going to make it out alive you know so like a lot of them in your head you're just like yeah yeah yeah, okay of course um and again i think that's one of the flaws of bringing back a character is you expect them to survive and it it takes away a little bit of the tension if you expect them to stay alive you know
0: yeah no i hear what you're saying my friend and the film benefits from only being you know let's take the credits off what an hour and 23 minutes long because yeah. again, whilst we whilst you're on different ends of the scale in terms of a film's momentum, you know it it really would have it really would have suffered if you had five minutes, ten minutes more. Because you've already got four screenwriters or six screenwriters, story te- story writers on this, who between them can't cohesively get their message across imagine another 10 minutes of it, but you say it's here to make money. You know, it was bu- on a budget of $15 million right now. It's just shy of that at 13 million. It's only been out for a few days. So it's going to pass that. It's going to make money. Uh, and we are absolutely going to get a third film and who knows if we're going to get any more, but um, I worry that they're going to get too big and they're going to get too over the top and they're going to make the meanest corporation, this big evil uh, conglomerate, which can do anything and then yeah it'll be escape room but have nothing to do with escape rooms really because at what point does that become too small for the world you're trying to build Uh but yeah yeah, again i I know this has become a buzzword for me on the band but this wasn't the worst film i've seen all year i do feel like i have to say that because i have been negative on this on this film i when i was watching it i i I wasn't bored but i wasn't thrilled it was more kind of this is you know this is uh, engaging me enough for me to stay awake for the next hour and 20 minutes. It just didn't get me. So there were some moments in, like you said, some certain scenes we'll get into those in the spoiler review. Uh, so there's a, there's a little carrot for the next few days, but o- overall I, wouldn't say I was disappointed because I didn't really expect much from it, but uh, I would have liked to have been thrilled a little bit more, man. Yeah, no worries. So, uh, so JB's a little bit higher on it than I am. Uh, so John, this last one, you, you recommend it? People go and watch this.
1: Yeah, if you like the first one, I think there's enough here to continue to enjoy it. Just know it's going to be a little, it's a little less than the first
0: one. Yep, uh, I'd go along with that. If you did like the first one, you will will like this. If you didn't like the first one, I don't think you're going to get anything really from this. But hey, if if it's safe to go to the theatre, do so. Keep the theatres alive. So that is our non-spoiler review of Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Once again, our spoiler review will be out in a few days' time. If you'll listen to this on the day of release. Uh, We'll now move on to our next segment which is simply called Chuffed Headlines, uh, movie or pop culture news that caught our attention for a variety of reasons this week. John, what have you gone for this week?
1: So I like List, and um, it's, <laughs> we're in that summer blockbuster season, and, uh, you know, sometimes movies are expected to do really, really well, and sometimes they bomb. And so this article from... Uh, originally, the article is from Mental Floss, but I found it on... Um, i forgot uh salon.com just it looks like they just repurposed the article and give credit to mental floss so i don't know what the reason is i don't know if they're connected like sister sites or something but um it's 15 uh summer blockbusters that completely tanked at the box office (laughs) um this is apparently an older article but it was updated i guess that's what it is uh it was updated on june 21st this year so um I thought we could go through the 15 real quick, and uh, yeah, some man. of these I've seen, and some of them I have not, but Ishtar is the first movie they list, uh, which I just recently watched because of Elaine May. Um, How was it? I actually really liked it. its uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's Warren Beatty and, um, uh, oh man, my brain's not...
0: Dustin Hoffman.
1: Doing. Dustin Hoffman. Um, it's a weird comedy. The, the beginning, like the opening part is the best part, because they're like... To, uh, they're trying to be like a cup, like musicians, and just their them performing is so bad. But they they don't understand that they're so bad. Um, I really really love like the first thirty minutes. It gets a little wild, um, and there's some, definitely like some things that don't hold up well. But overall, I thought it was really good. But it bombed terribly at the time, especially because mm-hmm. of Elaine May. Everyone really expected this to be like this huge comedy. Warren Beatty was coming off his Oscar win, and uh, 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 Isabella Shawnee. She
0: she was. Uh, alongside Sam, they were in pos- Possession a few years before. If anyone hasn't seen that bonkers uh, psychological horror um, uh, trip, check it out yeah. when she was coming off that. Um, and that's how I, I haven't seen this film, but when I watched Possession and sort of looked into it a bit more, this film came up an awful lot because Isabella Jani was so good in Possession, uh, also starred in what a lot of people call one of the biggest flops, of certainly of the 80s of uh, recent decades.
1: For uh, some people consider this to be one of the worst movies ever made. I don't think it's that. I actually really enjoyed watching this movie. There are problems. And it, as a study, it's one of the most intriguing. Blank Check did an episode on it because they just did the Elaine May uh, series. H- highly recommend uh, checking out the episode and watching the movie if you can, because it's, it's it's definitely worth checking out if nothing else, but uh, number before two we move on, 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 on to list, the next,
0: before we move on to that, I've got to ask you in what you can only pick one. You've got one, in one or two words, Ishtar or exorcist to the heretic. Ishtar.
1: Okay. Thank God for that. Carry on. All right. Uh, super <laughs> Mario brothers from 1993. God, uh, damn, that's obviously bad. the expectation was that it's Mario brothers. So it's going to do, <laughs> you know, booming at the box office. Uh, it earned just shy of $21 million. It doesn't show the budget here, but I can't imagine. It's probably uh, fairly there being... high. Yeah. Cause they're the effects in it are like the costumes and stuff. I mean, it's pretty extensive. Um, the Thirteenth Warrior is number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've never saw that, but it's uh, Antonio Banderas, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um,
0: Michael Crichton again, yeah.
1: Ah, uh, uh, then this one I, I'm more familiar with the notorious nature of it, but Battlefield <laughs> Earth from uh, <laughs> 2000 um, generally just looked horrible, and uh, I never saw it, but it just like I remember the trailers and it got it so is, much.
0: It is terrible.
1: Yeah, so much trash talk, and it was a uh, looks like. Had a seventy three million dollar budget, only made thirty million, so pretty big. Uh, yeah, this one's I I feel like this one's the weird one on the list, but it's uh, Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within. Um, okay. I don't remember this being a theatrical release, but apparently it was. Um, and I'm surprised because like this was a couple years after Final Fantasy 7 mm-hmm. uh, People loved it. I, my whole friend group, we were really really into it. Um, but I didn't see this for years, so I guess I'm one of the part of the problem is I didn't go and check it out but yeah yeah, i suck uh the adventures of pluto nash uh is on this list that was the eddie murphy sci-fi comedy um stealth uh jessica beale probably being a part of the problem um i forgot about that just completely forgot that film existed (laughs) yep it was stealthy in the box office uh (laughs) well probably oh my god i did not realize she was in this movie um probably one of the biggest uh flops as a sequel could go is evan almighty um, the sequel to the very successful wow. Bruce Almighty, a um, decent uh, Bruce Almighty. Yes, and that's the problem, right? Is Evan Almighty like he's playing the same? Char- Steve Carell's playing the same character he played in Bruce Almighty, and that's it's like you took kind of the character you didn't like. He was funny in Bruce Almighty but you didn't like the character. And then now he's the protagonist that you're supposed to be rooting for. And it makes sense on like a thematic level that he's going to be redeemed or whatever. But yeah, I didn't enjoy it. There was a lot of problems with the production too, because of mm-hmm. its uh, nature. So, um, this one, notorious, poor Daniel Craig, poor Harrison Ford, cowboys and aliens. <laughs> uh, can't forget John Favreau attached to this. of um, Favreau. Of course. Me. Um, yeah, I think people often forget he's attached to this, but, uh, yeah, it, he, doesn't, it's, he doesn't mention that one very much. As he, <laughs> no, and that's based on a graphic novel, if I'm not mistaken, or at yes. least a comic book series. Um, I've tried to watch it. I did not get all the way through it. Uh, definitely didn't go to the theater for it.
0: I've seen it once, and I didn't hate it. Again, I, But it wasn't one I've ever rushed back to watch again, despite having Daniel Craig and Harrison Ford in it.
1: Right. And this movie, I think, progressively seems to get more and more problematic as time passes because of the people attached to it. But The Lone Ranger um you know you get johnny depp you get army oh hammer oh, man.
0: there's
1: so many things that, and uh produce jerry bruckheimer directed by gore verbinski i mean it's just all over the place yeah. uh, it's one of the forgotten <laughs> movies uh, most people didn't bother to see it a it, disney it, film it just too. looked like it is a disney film um yeah it's i don't think it's on disney plus I, I might be wrong but i feel like they they didn't even post it there i haven't seen it on there all right, so this next movie, I, I like. I don't think it's great, but I liked it, which is R.I.P.D., the Rest in uh, Peace Department, which was the supernatural version of Men in Black with uh, Ryan Reynolds and the Jeff Bridges being Jeff Bridges now. Like, There's a certain point <laughs> in his career where he becomes a cowboy, and he just does the cowboy thing now. Um, I think it's uh, maybe True Heart is the first one, and then it just... Keeps on going. Maybe it's not culture. It's the country Western singer one, but then he does like true grit and he does like, it's just wet cowboy and he's perfect in that role. I found the movie to be fine. It's not great, but it's it's entertaining. I like Ryan Reynolds a lot, so it tends to work for me. Um, I haven't seen that one. Again, not one I'm telling you to rush out to see, but if it's not, just give it a watch. Uh this one I did see on my birthday in theaters and boy was I upset. Fantastic four, the Josh Trank directed God, uh, reboot Trank in twenty fifteen. Yeah, which killed his career for a couple of years. He's not been able to really come back from it. I think he's had one movie did he do Capone? He did
0: Capone, uh,
1: Capone, Capone, with, uh, Capone, sorry. I Tom watched Capone. Which- also wasn't very well received. It was not. Uh, his, his. I'll be surprised if he gets another film from a big studio. But He spent a lot um, of
0: time on Twitter bemoaning the fact that the studio messed him around and bemoaning Hollywood. So I'd be very surprised if he got a film anytime soon.
1: So then we get uh, the reboot, or not, I guess it's not a reboot, a remake of Ben-Hur from 2016, yeah. um, which I don't know anyone who saw. Um, but yeah, uh, then... The the failure of the Dark Universe Part Two, the Mummy, twenty seventeen, um, big big flop. Everyone was really expecting this to like launch this Dark Universe, and nope, nope, it didn't. Uh, it it failed miserably. And then I guess I don't know if this one's really a flop. Uh, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, like um, I don't um, feel like people were expecting it to be big. You know what I'm saying? Like it came out like at a weird time in the summer. Like it was early summer.
0: I think it's more just. It's Guy Ritchie. He's telling this big, clear, obviously Arthurian story. Yeah. I think it was more the expectation, or maybe anticipation, or hope. Uh, and obviously Charlie Hunnam. And I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Charlie Hunnam in lead roles, but you know, but there was a there was an expectation. Maybe this could be his big shot, and Jude Law yeah. as well. But it's just not very good
1: i don't i don't see like i like the a theory and stuff but i don't feel like there's a big call for it like i feel like there's a myth about people wanting it you know what i'm saying like i don't think people are like yeah let's get another king arthur movie or but what was same-
0: that king arthur what was that one of king arthur and the, the the little guy the little boy and the king um, Arthur
1: story oh that was good that's uh the, yeah. the guy who did attack the block um uh,
0: that one i can't remember it was cool but but that was well nobody saw that either but that was well received
1: no. But that was, yeah, that one's really good. And yeah. it was a cool take on the Arthurian lore because they kind of yeah. updated it. And um, Merlin was amazing in that movie. I, what is it called? It's really good. Um, James. Re- the kid who would be king. Kid who would be king. That Yeah. Yes, thank you, Google. It, that's more of like a retelling too, right? It's not trying to be like pure Arthur, twist Arthurian. twisted a little bit and
0: change things up and well, make it's it a modern bit day. more contemporary. Exactly. So it, yeah. it wasn't quite like Guy Ritchie with his contemporary Spin on what is still very much a a medieval picture, uh, an Arthurian yeah. picture.
1: It's like dark and grey. It's it's Zack Snyder's King Arthur is what that. <laughs> oh, like Damn, it
0: has don't so much off. of that
1: kind of distaste and disdain this for the world it and stuff
0: needs a bit more gore and a bit more grittiness to it a bit and more a really bad
1: cg at the end <laughs> yeah
0: yes yeah. so and this needs a little bit more a little grayer and it'll be perfect
1: so yeah that, that was it just you know this uh so far the blockbusters have done okay uh, this year f9 yeah. black widow um and even space jam uh which beat black widow for week two apparently um yes uh you know like they've they've performed well I think by comparison uh to maybe especially pandemic expectations um so it's it's interesting to kind of look back and, and remember when like 127 million dollars was like a failure and then we're talking like <laughs> black widow like made 80 and it's a success uh, but you know yeah man it's uh, well that leads
0: in lovely uh, perfectly to my headline uh, which sure comes does. from Variety, Rebecca Rubin wrote this uh, and the headline is movie theatre owners blame Marvel's Black Widow box office collapse on the Disney Plus launch uh, as we all know Black Widow was, uh, came out theatrically and on the same day, dropped on Disney Plus on the premiere access so uh, 30 bucks for uh, our friend stateside 20 pounds over here in the states so we got it for about we got it for a little bit cheaper than you guys did. Uh, it made an eighty million dollar weekend, uh, certainly in the United States and Canada, and yeah, you know, like you say, it was a uh, hundred and twenty something worldwide. However, in the second week, it's had a huge sixty nine percent, sixty nine uh, percent fall off, decline uh, in its uh, box office takings and movie theater owners. Uh, NATO, which is the, uh, which isn't the uh, worldwide defense unit or whatever nato actually is nato they are the people who uh handle the tickets in box obviously the United in north america i really can't remember what it stands for N- national association of theater owners they have come out fairly uh guns blazing as saying you know the fact that disney plus have dropped black widow on uh on streaming is the reason why it's tanked so much and it's going to adversely affect theaters in the long run Uh, Disney have come back and said, well, we're still in a pandemic. We want people worldwide to be able to have the choice where they watch this film comfortably, Um, which, again, I I can see both sides of the um, of the coin. Uh, According to the article as well, Black Widow is the most pirated movie of the week. Too so because it comes out on Disney Plus, someone's pulling it off there, putting it online, H four K quality for everyone to see if they want to. That's also going to cause a problem. That that that's always going to happen. I don't condone it, but it's that's always going to be there. People, if it's there, they're going to do that. It, 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 you kind of have to almost factor that in as a given, as bad as it might be. However, I can see both sides of the coin. As somebody who thought HBO One entirely at fault for wanting to drop their their slate this year, um. Uh, yes of course having big films drop at home is going to damage the theatrical uh, uh intake because let's let's not forget theaters stay open because of the amount of sodas you know candy sweets whatever yep. that they that they can that they can sell It's barely tickets and if if you're not getting as many people through the doors are there, is there going to be the need for as many theaters there's a pressing question there uh, Disney Plus, however, I think they're doing the right thing. I do. I've got my big boy head on here, my practical hat. There is a pandemic on. People don't want to go back to work at the minute, or, or they want to work from home, let alone go and sit in a theatre. There is distancing in place. However, people don't want that, and, if, and if, the only t- if if the only time they could see a film was at the theatre in the last 18 months, then they're going to miss out on seeing these films. So I've always been a champion for, certainly in these horrible times we live in, these you know, unprecedented times, the opportunity to watch these films at home, at a cost, you know, it's still not cheap. It's still £20, which is more than a ticket, or $30, which is more than a ticket. Uh, I um, I applaud the companies for doing that. Now, of course, the, the big question, the litmus test will be, it, when whenever things start to simmer down a little bit, are we still going to get these big films coming out on Premiere Access, Is it, or is this really Disney and HBO Kind of slowly kind of rolling out their future plans but hiding behind the fact that they're in a pandemic that's going to be the big problem however I, I sympathise with NATO and the theatres to an extent uh, if if we're talking a year or two down the line and everyone's allowed out and, and we're all in a better place I'll sympathise with them even more because then you know these, these big films can be released in theatres like they were pre-pandemic and nobody was calling for streaming so at the minute I don't mind. Yes, it's going to impact box office, and it may be a while before we get that next billion dollar film. But to be honest, that's secondary to the fact that we can see these films comfortably and safely. So, uh, John, Black Widow, 69% drop off in the second week. NATO think uh, Disney Plus are to blame and they're damaging theatres and the experience. What do you think?
1: I mean, I, I, obviously, it is it is part of the problem for sure uh, with, the, with the box office. However, I think theatres need to pivot. Um, I don't want theatres to go away. But maybe the, the time of the 20... 20 uh, what's the word? Theater? Like, um... What, what do you call it? Man, auditorium. The 20 auditorium multiplex is unnecessary. Maybe we just need to have a two to three auditorium theater. Smaller space means smaller rent. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you have less seats in each theater, but, like, in more spacious, like, maybe you have a table and a couple of comfy chairs or the recliner <laughs> thing, which a lot of yeah. things have updated. Um, you know, like... It's not I don't think you can fight technology. I think you have to adapt with it. And people not are there are there is going to be a large number of people, even before this was happening, who would wait to get the movie on home video, right? Like before it was yeah. instantaneous, they would still not see it. They would just wait until it was at Redbox, or they would wait until it was on Netflix to physical mail in kind, or when it was at Blockbuster. I mean, this is yep. not a new phenomenon. But now there are other factors, and the fact that like most of the studios now have their own streaming service available to them. Mm-hmm. We should see this increase because for some people, this is just more economical. $30 to me, knowing that I will be the only one to sit and watch it seems outrageous to pay Extreme. for it. But if I, if my wife and daughter and if I, you know, if we had a friend or something who all wanted to watch the same movie and we were going to go to the theater, it's more it's And we live in a relative, like, our ticket prices are, like, 10 to $15 max.
0: Yeah, same here.
1: But in New York, it's $20 a ticket. Like, it, it gets up from there. Like, that's, like, the base price for, like, the normal theaters. If you want, like, the IMAX experience, you're paying 30 35 Suddenly, $30 to sit at home on your giant TV with your nice sound system doesn't seem like the worst idea. No. So, theaters can't fight that. You can't fight that. Instead, adapt. Give me a reason to go to the theater. You have to offer me an experience. It needs to be a better experience in your auditorium than it would be for me to watch it at home to get me to go. That's just how things work, right? Like you don't go to a restaurant and then order the food you have sitting at the house. You order the thing you don't want to make yourself or you don't want to do the dishes for or it's is an outside your right or yes exactly those most of like the sports bars and stuff it's just burgers and fries but you're there because of the the atmosphere you're there because of the opportunity the the -hmm. the socializing because you can't do that at home right and so it offers more yeah i think that we need to stop seeing the theaters pointing the fingers and start looking at what can we do to pull people in Um, For one, stop charging $10 for a bag of popcorn that costs you 50 cents. (laughs) Like, uh, like you should still have a profit margin, but make it where every person that walks in wants to spend the money on the popcorn and or can afford to spend the money on the popcorn. Because if they Mm -hmm. just spent $40 on tickets and now that they are supposed to spend $10 on popcorn, and if they have enough people, they might have to spend $20 on popcorn plus drinks. Like, you're asking a lot. And- if you're seeing that people aren't wanting to do it, well then you got to adjust. I think there is a draw for theaters because much like everything, there is a group of people. It's a little more niche now, but there's still a bunch of people like us who want to go for the theatrical experience. Yep. So we need to see a change. It's not, it's not the same world that it's been for 10 years. So make the adjustments. And yes, yes, some theaters are going to shut down, but if you are smart, instead of opening another giant wow. building with 20 theaters, open a smaller one with three screens, less numbers of seats and, and, you know, negotiate, like figure out how to get people in those seats. And I think it's doable. Um, Cause again, there are, there are people like us who want to go like my theater. I've not seen it sold out in a while. Um, like usually for like a Pixar movie or a Marvel movie, those would be sold out. Star Wars would be sold out. Black Widow. I went to the very earliest Thursday show. It was like a five o'clock show. There was the most people I've seen in a theater so far since the Mm -hmm. pandemic, but it was still like a third of the auditorium was full, you know? Yep. And I am in a small market again where Marvel movies are one of the only draws. And it's again, five o'clock on a Thursday. Not everyone even knows the Thursday thing is a thing and then five o'clock is early. So to be fair, it might've been packed if I'd gone on Saturday or Sunday or something. But, um, I just think that like my theater should figure out a way to, to make people want to be there with different things than what we get at home. You know, you gotta, you gotta meet us halfway.
0: I see. You got to uh, change with the times. The change is going to come, as a great man once sang. I know you're right. You're, you're spot on there with the uh, allusions to blockbuster or home video or whatever. It, it, all we have now is just a more immediate threat, rather than yes. the one which came a little bit down the line. And um, but then the on the flip side, if you have less screens, how many more smaller films are going to get their films out? Then there's always a there's always almost a potential downside to any, any good idea like that. And that's, that is in itself a discussion for an entire episode is the future of film. And I think one day we should do a BAMP special where it's just riffing on, you know, what, what, does the future of th- th- theatres look like? But um, as we said, that is a good conversation for another time. Uh, so let's move on now to our next segment, which is called media consumption. In this segment, uh, John and myself, we discussed the movies, TV shows, or series, streaming, video games music podcasts which aren't ours that we've been watching or indulging in to pass the time. Uh we're not going to be indulging in Twitter fleets for much longer because they're not going to be around for any longer. So uh RIP Twitter fleets. Uh but John's always got a fabulous selection of uh, pop culture goodness. So what have you been up to this week, John?
1: Um well, as always, uh Blank Check podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. they- this is the first time since they became the blank check podcast and they weren't the star Wars based podcast, um, <laughs> where they, they did a, a movie again. So they did Clifford, uh, early, early on as a Ben's choice. Ben is the producer. He gets Ben choices. We did one last week with Joe dirt. Um, yep. but, uh, they were encouraged by a, a friend and listener, um, on the show to do a second take on Clifford, the 1994, um, Martin short and Charles Grodin film. Um, and so that episode's pretty good. It's fun to hear them kind of, like, l- look back at it and try to reevaluate their take on it. But um, as far as series go, I started watching White Lotus on HBO. Yep. Um, it's two episodes out now. I actually just watched the second one last night. Um, I, I'm enjoying the show. Uh, it's supposed to be pretty short. I heard good things, and that's what got me into it. I don't fully know, uh, like, tonally if it's it's – it feels more drama than comedy, but it's like, I think a lot of the drama is satirical. Um, or at least that's the kind of the vibe I, I I'm enjoying it though. And it's, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Uh, it's not like it's supposed to be more of a, um, I don't think it's supposed to have like some big arching, like crazy plot, like some of the other HBO series. I think it's supposed to be more of like, uh, digestible, small, fun thing. But, um, Steve Zahn, super great in it so far. Really enjoying him. Um, there's a lot, there's some big Connie Britton's in it. Uh, Alexandra, the Dario or whatever.
0: Sweeney's in it.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, some, some good performances so far. Um, and then I finished Loki. I think that ended after we recorded last week, right? It's yeah. It's hard to keep yes, it did. Yes. So finished Loki, uh, highly recommend Matt. Have you still not watched Loki? Hey, guess what? I haven't,
0: uh, I said, I have <laughs> it done for this week, but, uh, I, I, I've lied to my um loyal BAMP listeners. I didn't lie. I just, told a mistruth i will watch it for next week i am getting piled on for not watching this so i'm going to watch loki i'm going to finish it for the next week i promise you i will give you my entire thoughts on the sixth series episode sorry of Loki.
1: so we um we have a lot of overlap on our movies this week but i'm going oh, yeah. to uh start with the ones that you didn't watch so i for the first time have watched lock stock and two smoking barrels uh one of the only guy Ritchie films Ooh. i had not seen okay um and I, I like it for sure. Um, it's it's very Guy Ritchie. It it <laughs> looks bad. Like a lot of the, like the the lighting and stuff is. It just feels really really low budget, and <laughs> it obviously was. Um, but some of that like was like a little aggravating now. Uh, but it, it's it was twisting and fun, and you know the whole Guy Ritchie thing. Um, but for Movie Club this week, we're doing biopics this month, and so I picked Capote. Nice. Um, I actually own this movie twice on DVD because I bought it once and then didn't realize I'd already bought it and bought it again. <laughs> and, um, been meaning to watch it for a while. Philip Seymour Hoffman, obviously uh, just a tremendous movie. I mm-hmm. really was captivated. I, I knew very little about Truman Capote. Um, and I realized while watching the movie that I hadn't seen any of the movies he's attached to, as far as like breakfast at Tiffany's, I didn't realize yep. he had written the short story that that's based on. So still have not watched that, but after watching Capote and, uh, and the movie's all about him writing in cold blood, um so i i then bought in cold blood and watched that today uh the, the night i think it's 1967 um man w- really cool movie I, I i don't know if you ever watched walking dead matt but herschel is one of I know the two, he's one of the two uh murderers in this movie and i was like totally thrown when i realized it i was like wait a minute holy crap <laughs> like no idea <laughs> um so uh like he's like, he's like probably 19 or 20 in, in this movie. Um, but, uh, it's a really, really, man, it's a, it's compelling. And it also made it kind of recontextualizes some of the structure of Capote for me. Um, so that was cool to see kind of it play out. Uh, and obviously I, I, would love to read the book, but I know I won't. So I just went ahead and was like, I'll just watch the movie. Um, way I do, <laughs> uh, I am planning on watching, um, Breakfast at Tiffany's, hopefully before I record though, because I figure if I'm going to talk about Capote I should see the movies that he's uh, attached to. So, um, And there's one more that uh, I really want to watch that him and uh, John Hughes and, or John Houston and uh, with Humphrey Bookart, um I can't think of what it's called, but uh, Beat the Dead no, or something like that.
0: Not off the top of my head, I can't think.
1: But uh, I have not, that one seems like it's a little harder to get for cheap, so I might have to hold off on that one for a bit, but um but yeah so those were the three movies i watched that you have not watched oh no there's one more uh freaky have you seen freaky no but i want to dude okay so i i bought this from redbox uh like i bought it because redbox will sell their blu-rays and stuff for cheap i bought it like a month ago and i've been meaning to get to it, meaning to get to it and i've been uh kind of vibing like horror comedy um yeah I feel like there's something i must have watched also but uh so i finally was like you know i'm gonna watch freaky tonight i think it's i think it's the time and dude vince vaughn is so good in this movie like i was (laughs) dying with his because he's if you don't know the original title was supposed to be freaky friday the 13th that was gonna be uh the name and i'm I'm assuming they ran into some kind of licensing rights or whatever but um because it is both freaky friday and kind of a friday the 13th slasher film more Mm -hmm. to be accurate but um Vaughan, as the teenage girl is hilarious and was really really <laughs> like i had a lot of fun with it it's not it's not perfect uh or like even i wouldn't say it's great but it's a good time and it's a very fun movie definitely worth checking out uh, especially for horror fans or horror comedy yeah. fans especially
0: man yeah, katherine newton's in it as well i damn it, i've heard nothing but good things um about freaky from from online recently uh it's directed by uh christopher landon and he didn't he do the happy death day film which i didn't like oh is that true i, I, I don't believe, think i put that together um i believe he did do those but I, i'm not a fan of the happy death day films but this from what i've seen the freaky in the um from promos and the trailers looks very much like my street so uh I look, now it's been Burke amended. i'm all over that
1: I really like Happy Death Day. Um, I did not like Happy Death Day to you. I was severely aggravated with that movie, but I really, really liked the first one, and I like Freaky. So there you go. There we go. Now that said, the next three movies you and I have both watched.
0: Yes, for for better um, or worse, shall we say? Uh, let's restart with start, Fear
1: Street. I was going to say let's start with the trilogy, Fear Street. Nineteen. No, uh, I'm sorry, sixteen sixty six.
0: Um. Well, we've mentioned Fair Street. 94 and 78 on the previous episodes. Um and we've we've mentioned how on the nose they were with the music uh, and how I wasn't a fan of how they don't really capture the feel of the t- of the period. 1666 fell in the same for me. I didn't actually believe for one minute we were in 1666. Uh, um partly because of the very very strange accents that the uh, <laughs> cast use. I don't know if it's Irish or pains but um fear street 1666 i thought it was good again it has a has a cool twist about halfway through which i which i think was uh unconventional and i and i think and i liked it however i wasn't uh, a lot of people seem to like what happened after the twist i thought i wasn't as keen on what happened after the twist i liked lots of things that happened afterwards but you know looking back i it it felt a bit a bit i don't know a bit flimsy whereas i the first half I preferred because it felt like it was building something a bit different. It felt, um, it, it felt a little bit grimmer, kind of like what the, it's an 18. These films are and again. It doesn't mean violence. It doesn't mean gore necessarily, but it felt like oh. it was building up to more of an atmosphere. And whereas the, uh, the other two films, they save their bigger gory moments for the end of their films. Maybe 1666 kind of had them uh, scattered throughout the first, third of the film which first half which i thought was was pretty good but i thought this one was a, a good film I li- i'm not gonna say i didn't like it uh, i thought it was pretty good uh, and as for the trilogy overall i really like the three-week event uh side of it i do believe we're going to get more uh, i think lee janiak has shown that she's a very good at writing these kind of i wouldn't even call it a teen horror because again over here in the uk it's an 18 so most teens legally can't watch it so um i thought i'd like to see her do more in this kind of ballpark and I, I liked it I, uh, and like we mentioned last week I'm going to be a bit sad this Friday because I haven't got a horror film to come home to uh, 1666
1: where, where does this rank for you did you like it I, I did I had a lot more issues with it than I had the first two films though um, mm-hmm. specifically the I thought the ending section uh, which yes. I guess I'll avoid details but I felt like it kind of devolves into a home alone type like riff yes.
0: it's flimsy and, as I try to call it yeah
1: yeah and I felt yeah. like that totally didn't match the first two films like there was fun in the first two films mm-hmm. but not like silly zaniness and that's kind of the vibe i got in the end of the third film and that was disappointing to me um and i but i, I enjoyed all the mythology stuff and all of mm-hmm. the uh like the the true story element um of yeah. the not the true story but you know like learning the quote-unquote true story about sarah fear um i thought that was very compelling and i i like the the story of it i know some people maybe don't but for me that worked
0: yeah, there's one bit of CGI in the uh, final latter part, which came straight out of like, the Mummy franchise. I thought, oh, no, let's not go down this route in terms of bad CGI. But they went back to more practical during. So uh, Fear Street got the thumb, gets a thumbs up, I think, from us, the trilogy. Uh, Gunpowder Milkshake was the next film I saw, the Netflix original, which has uh-huh. been getting... Uh, it's been all over social media recently. The, the Gunpowder social team have been very active... Um, Karen Gillan has obviously been pushing the film massively and it's got a very good cast. Karen Gillan, Lena Headey, Ralph Ineson, Paul Giamatti, Carla Gugino, Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett, uh, Michael mm-hmm. Smiley. Everything was there and it was set up to be this kind of female-led, uh, crazy, John Wick-esque, and that's the cliche now. Is it's Everything's like John Wick, but yeah. it's undeniable. It is um, kind of action film and I was... I was kind of left thinking, and I have a problem with action films nowadays, is that they're all much the same. There's nothing really different about any of them. And I, this fell into that for me as well. I, I had such a good cast, but, and they tried, damn it. And I think uh, Karen Gillen's good in the lead role, but it was very much like the title itself, very much style over substance. Uh, it's you know it's very colourful. It's very zany. It looks great, but it, there wasn't really much, to me, wasn't there much else going on behind the fact that it looks great and has a wonderfully silly title um so you know it, it it promised a lot but it didn't deliver fully for me uh, what about you
1: i i think i i'm on the the positive end of this film um there are at least three sequences that i thought were outstanding mm-hmm. uh, i wish it wasn't trying to, i wish it didn't feel like it was trying to be john wick at times because i think it's its own kind of weird quirky world um, yes. i'm a big karen gillen fan and the more I see of her, the more I think she just needs to be, just keep putting her in stuff because when it sticks, it will stick yeah. um, because she's, she carries this movie in ways that she really shouldn't be able to. Cause there's some stuff that's really stupid. Uh, some of the, <laughs> the, there's stuff in some of like the bowling alley fight sequence where like, it looks badly choreographed. Like you can see where she clearly didn't hit the guy, like things like that. And um, that's disappointing in, in, in a time when we really have no excuse for that. And CG blood just always looks bad. Like I'm always going to be a fan of uh, squibs over that. I know squibs can be dangerous because it is like a minor explosion on the person, but it just looks so much better than, than the CG blood. Um, But that said, there's some really cool stuff in it. I thought, you know, um, there's, there's an emotional core that it hits at times. It's a little convoluted story wise, uh, but like there's, there's a world here. It doesn't, you know, that's where to me I felt more John Wick was like uh, the attempt at world building. Um, because you have like the Continental and you get the rules and the gold coins <laughs> that never really make any sense. You have similar stuff in this movie. I think that to yeah. me was more where I saw the comparison than the action itself. I don't. The, this action feels more like John Wick 3 level, which felt more like Hollywood action to me than the yeah. real gritty action of the first two John Wicks. And uh, that's been. That was my complaint with John Wick 3 is like, I want the quick where he's killing an insane number of people that are just, it's not possible. Like there's no way there's that many henchmen, but they, they, they come at him he just, he gets rid of them and he moves to the next one. John Wick 3 in this movie, the fights go for like 10 minutes and it's like three people. It's like, come on. At some point they just stay down. Like it just happens, you know, (laughs) stay Um, down. But, uh, there, there are at least three set pieces I thought were just really exciting and, and pulled me in. And so I enjoyed it more than I did.
0: Yeah, and I think, just just the last point on that, just to reiterate, it is is almost uh, eye-rolling to uh, compare an action film to John Wick, but there are so many that are trying to be like John Wick, or or, or trying to uh, have that same flavour. Even Nobody, uh, Bob Odenkirk's Nobody, which I think was better than all the John Wick films, um, is still compared to John Wick, because it was written by the people behind it, but it, it, it might seem lazy but a film like gunpowder milkshake very much riffs on the john wick formula so uh it isn't us just um having a lazy comparison that is unfortunately it, it's inescapable with a film uh like this so uh jb a bit more up on gunpowder milkshake than me i'm very very interested to hear what you've got to say about next this next film john so please over to you
1: okay so the big other release this week and probably the bigger release in escape room was space jam and it obviously was it. Did really well at the box office, but mm-hmm. uh, Space Jam, a new mm-hmm. legacy to be exact. Um, yep. So, this movie's getting a lot of hate online. Like, everything I've heard has been majorly negative. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that. I don't think it's a good movie, but I don't understand the vitriol for it, except the very, very, like, Warner Brothers desperately trying to be like, look at all the stuff we've done. Because there's, it, it is a, shameful amount of of pandering to themselves right like it is just like okay guys um s- chill out, chill out a bit you know like let, let's let's relax that said i don't i don't think it's like the worst movie i've ever seen um i didn't feel like there was anything completely terrible uh i thought you know lebron's doing stuff some of the dialogue's not great whatever <laughs> i thought when Lil rel shows up as the announcer that was probably the funniest stuff in the movie yeah, i actually like a lot um, Don Cheadle is having a blast, and, and it's kind of it's. I don't remember seeing him in such a light-hearted movie. Like he's he's often doing like really. I just saw him in uh, No Sudden Move, right? And it's like super mm-hmm. dour, yeah. and like he's great in it. But that's the when I think Don Cheadle. That's I mean, yes, he's in the Marvel, but he's even as the Marvel guy. He's the serious one, right? Like Iron. Um, oh man, I forgot his name. Um, War Machine is is like he's the militarized guy. He's much more serious and and. You know, he's always down and he's always upset. Like, that's the Cheadle that I think of in here. He's just, like, going big and hammy. And it's kind of fun to see him get to cut loose, to be honest. Like, didn't necessarily like it, but I was like, yeah, whatever. And that that was kind of my take on the whole movie. It was just, like, it doesn't need to be. But I love basketball. And I love the old Space Jam because I love basketball. I was really into the Michael Jordan story of it all because that was it was – they tied Michael Jordan's real life – drama into space jam i don't know if, if you remember it but like michael jordan when he retired from basketball because his father was murdered i don't think that gets said enough
0: yeah.
1: that michael jordan one of the most famous people on the planet's father was murdered not because he was michael jordan's father either that's like the crazy yeah. part about that's where a lot of the conspiracy stuff i'm not getting into that but um they tie that in to him like coming back from baseball and like that whole thing. And I thought that that I think why that movie worked as well as it did that this feels very contrived. Um, I was also a little surprised that it's like LeBron's family, but like none of the actors are actually members of his family. So it's like, that's a little <laughs> weird for you. Like, can you imagine being LeBron's son and like, Hey dad, can I play me in the movie? No, nah, no.
0: <laughs> I got this kid instead.
1: Yeah. But so like, there's, there's a lot of, it feels a little too like family, like, uh, one, like, I'm surprised LeBron would sign up like, hey, we're going to paint you as a kind of mediocre father. Is that okay? Like, you push your son too hard, is that alright? <laughs> like, but you don't need that. He could just get kidnapped because the player, you know, um, there's some weird commentary about like, it's weird that the the premise is Algae Rhythm, this computer generated thing that is Don <laughs> Cheadle, wants to scan LeBron in and basically use his likeness in all their movies from this point forward. Yeah. Um, And it's weird that a studio is putting that as a plot of their movie when that is a literal complaint that we've had about like Lucasfilms doing it with, you know, uh, Peter Cushing. And then the, the, remember we talked on this podcast about the James Dean casting that apparently wouldn't go anywhere, but you know, we have the Irishman, like all the de-aging stuff. This is the deep fake technology exists. So it's not, Far from the reality of what could happen with Hollywood, so that they would make that kind of the centerpiece of why Algie Rhythm is mad at LeBron is, you know, what I guess, like. Yeah, mm-hmm. But th- this movie seems to be getting a lot of hate. It's a 2.1 on Letterboxd for like just, that's, you know, everybody on Letterboxd. Um, but, you know, I didn't hate this movie. Uh, I-, I definitely it was in the background for me i was just kind of like yeah whatever it's cool um i I thought the kid actually was pretty good uh is it dom cedric joe i guess was the the main Uh, kid yeah i I thought he did a pretty good job because they put a lot on his shoulders to kind of carry like the emotional crux of the film and i thought he was fine i didn't think he was outstanding or anything but he could have dropped the ball and he doesn't um Mm -hmm. And yeah the, the Looney Tunes stuff I, I liked Looney Tunes so I was it was fine um, you know uh, there's a lot of cameos in this movie which I guess you expect you know a lot of like if I, when Sarah Silverman popped up I was like what mm-hmm. um, but yeah you know it was it's I feel like it's just a fine family movie um, if you're a kid who likes cartoons and basketball this movie's gonna speak to you and if you're not then oh it's fine like it's whatever I, I definitely think it could be better. But I don't think it's as bad as some people are like acting. So, what? What what are? Are you one of those people, Matt? Have I have I spoke ill of you?
0: No, I do have my grumpy pants on this week because I didn't like this film either. But I didn't. I didn't hate this film because it wasn't for me. Maybe this is like you say. It's a family film. Had I gone with my five year old, maybe I. It's it's that funny, funny, strange thing that movie fans have, where had I seen it with my five year old and you know, I, I, I had she liked it and laughed along, I too would have been vibing off that and laughing along and having a great time and my opinion and experience would have been so much different but because I'm a 30 something year old man who went to watch this film um it just didn't it just didn't work for me I didn't I I wasn't a fan I don't think LeBron James is anywhere near as bad as people are saying he is I mean he's fine in the film and even there's even a quip at the beginning of the film almost about you know animated being animated might make him a better actor or something along those lines but um Don Cheadle turns up and gets an Emmy uh, in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and he's you get like you I agree he's having a he's having a hell of a time here, let, you know, cutting loose. But it's Ooh. it needs a bit more. It needs more Bill Murray. But it, you know, it's... yeah, it does. It, it's if you've seen the first film, it's similar to the first film in the sense that again, no spoilers, but LeBron has to put together a team to take on a bad team. But this time, there's more at stake necessarily for. Um, for the victor, well, certainly for his team to win, uh, the Toon Squad, and it is just absolutely crammed, stuffed full. It's the Wayne's World, uh, it's the Wayne's World um, advertising scene. But for in reality, it's literally everything Warner Brothers have done is just in this film, and it's gratuitous. It's it's it became so over the top and noticeable to the point where if it was in there for a joke. It really became unfunny very quickly, but and it, and it the took away. Maybe that took away some of the enjoyment, man.
1: For the me, the worst part for me was the the characters on the sidelines of the court that were clearly like knockoff versions of the characters, <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> hold on, WB, like why would <laughs> you know. put like the like they have the the Tim Burton the Penguin and Tim Burton uh, Batman. No, they have the Adam West Batman and Robin, which it's like, why though? Why? why not have cartoon characters or CG characters instead of having what is clearly like you went to the, the Hollywood strip and pulled the, the cosplayers off the side and paid them 10 bucks to stand at the back. Like it looks terrible. There's not, I don't
0: think the film, uh, I may be um, being a heretic here, but I don't think the film looks very good either. Um, no. Yeah. I like the idea that it wasn't all live action LeBron. You know, at times I think you know, cool to switch up a bit, but I don't think it looked particularly great. And I've only got two questions for you, my friend. Firstly, is Looney Tunes? And I know it's done well to uh, in its first weekend, but is Looney Tunes still that relevant? Where this film's going to do well? This come from somebody who loves Looney Tunes. And did you find Lola Bunny hot?
1: Okay, we talked about the Lola Bunny thing. I think she's a bunny and I never thought she was hot as a result. <laughs> like same um, here. I didn't even give two thoughts to it. Nope. Uh, I, th- I thought Zend- Zendaya does a good job with the voice. Yes. I think she's one of the only stunt cast for the Looney Tunes characters, right? Like I think all the other Looney Tunes characters are just voice actors, but like they went big for Zendaya. Uh, well, I
0: as- apparently, uh, Kath Sose, who uh, has been doing Lola Bunny for the longest time, apparently she recorded lines for this film, but, they just replaced her with zendaya apparently again i don't know how late on in production but you know if if so that's uh that's poor form i know zendaya is going to bring in the audience because of the name and she's good but you know it's but no one's gonna know right you're doing a disservice i think to the voice actress
1: and i think that's there's a lot that i think they do kind of dumb with the with like even like the the explanation for why it's looney tunes doesn't make sense like it did in the first movie like yes true and it's just like well wait why looney tunes like because he was playing a looney tunes game on game boy at the beginning of the movie for five seconds is that Mm. what the attachment's supposed to be because there's a lot and there's a lot of cheesy like like don Cheadle quotes training day i'm just like really like even though the payoff of that joke is kind of funny it's still like who's what kid is watching this like oh training day like you know like exactly exactly (laughs) Know your audience, guys. Uh, but yeah, um, even like, is LeBron the what the Matrix hell, which is in the trailer, and I was already upset about that line. I'm like, that's yep. the Matrix is from 1999. People like us who are watching this movie because of the first one, and we have nostalgia for it, or because we have to, because it's it's the big movie of the week, <laughs> um, will get that joke. But the kids who was your intended audience, one, did you need to yep. say hell? And two... No, they're not going to understand what the Ma- they shouldn't understand what the matrix is because that movie's not for children. Like it's no. there's this weird crossover that it just doesn't work. I feel like the first space jam does a better job of knowing its demographic and really hitting that hard. This movie feels like it's just all over the place. And again, the the nostalgia pull that we've seen since Stranger Things, I think, has gotten only worse. Yeah. And I mean, it started before stranger things, but I think stranger things brought it to like mainstream. Everybody was talking about it. And now it's just like, I I am a sucker for it. Nostalgia can really win me over. But at the same time, when it just feels like patting yourself on the back for things you've made, it's not, it's not rewarding.
0: No. And this is a film with Pennywise the clown in like, no, your audience, but I guess that's for the adults who had to sit through it. But um, yeah, I think maybe in the mid nineties with space jam, Looney tunes were, they I don't say more relevant because Looney Tunes will always be cool, but there was a I think there was a bigger and it made sense, like you say, now it felt like a stretch just uh just so they could have the word space jam in the title of the film to play on that nostalgia. Um so again it looks like JB was only ever so slightly more up on this film than me, which seems to be the case for this whole episode. I I'm not a and I do like films, but this week was uh wasn't the best for me. Um however with that being said, we've had to st- try a little bit harder to be bloody awesome because some of the films weren't quite what we hoped to be this week. It's hard to stay bloody awesome each week to deliver this kind of top quality entertainment, which we do each week. So each week we have to come up with new ways to keep our bloody awesome levels high. So, John, how have you been staying bloody awesome this week?
1: Well, sir, my summer is already whining to an end. I have uh, just about a week and a half left uh, before I go back to work. So I'm, I'm starting to get ready for uh, next year, um, which is, you know, not a year so much as weeks away from, from starting. Uh, so, you know, getting back into the swing of things and uh, having to rotate my exercise routine and actually um, because of, there's still a lot of questions about the whole pandemic thing and how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm kind of like in flux with, exactly what my year is going to look like so i'm just getting ready and uh uh, i actually have a lunch on thursday it was an optional work lunch uh but i I decided i needed to go and just kind of feel things out and start you know getting my dipping my toe back in the water to make sure that the uh, temperature is okay
0: well uh good luck with the new school year and hopefully uh it, it ends up being a safe one or one where you get to see your students a little bit more um for for myself, I have been. I mentioned up top that it's hot in the UK, and it is still hot now. I'm literally sitting in this in in the pod studio in a t-shirt. I've got the sleeves rolled up, so I look like something out of the '80s. I am right. perspiring like a madman, but at the same time, and this is coming from. But I'm a Brit. We, as I sit up top, we moan about everything. I also am a Brit in the sense that I am uh, I'm pastier than Dracula himself, so I can't handle the sun. It just makes me burn. But I'm attempting to embrace the heat wave. Uh, I'm going out in the sun. I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I'm walking home from work. It's a 40-minute walk from home. It's 33 degrees. I've got to wear jeans because I'm not entirely sure if I can wear uh, denim shorts, but I am going to find out. Jeans, T-shirt and a rucksack on my back with a laptop in it. It's a hard old walk, but hey, the easy thing to do would be drive, get the bus or whatever. But no, I'm going to embrace the heat wave. I'm going to get that vitamin D. I'm going to get a tan. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to sweat like a sucker at the same time. Uh, and try and uh, embrace this heatwave because as we know in as british people know it'll be gone in a week's time and it'll be raining in the middle of summer so um why not make the most of it it's not very nice in the evening though because uh unlike john we don't have aircon in this country so the the <sighs> night times are horrific but um hey i'll have a fan on and we we'll make it work because we stay bloody awesome so i've been attempting to embrace the heatwave and not run away from the uh unavoidable so um but that's going to be our episode, I think, this week, isn't it? I believe so, sir. It is. Uh, episode, l- this one, uh, we're, we must be in the high 90s now. We've been doing this for so long. That was our non-spoiler episode for Escape Room Tournament of Champions. One more time, our spoiler episode will be dropping very soon. So keep your eyes out for that. And we'd love, to, we'd love for you to check that out and hear what we think and see if you agree. And we'd also like to hear what your thoughts on Escape Room Tournament of Champions. Did you like it? Did you dislike it? Was it down the middle? Didn't, didn't did you did just not bother watching it let us know uh, and then we're going to be back again this time next week where we're going to be reviewing m night Shyamalan's old which m night is going to turn up to the party we're going to oh, find oh, out in a week's time man uh you excited for that i saw the trailer again the other day and
1: i'm getting more and more pumped for it i am i think the trailer is showing way too much though and that upsets me always um, there is that I, you know, the cast is phenomenal, like, Mm -hmm. in this movie. Like, I am so pumped about the cast. Like, Thomas and Mackenzie in anything, I'm, like, super on board. And then uh, Gail Garcia uh, Banal, I think I said that right. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I messed up his last name, but I love him. And, uh, yeah, we get, you know, the actress who played Beth, if I'm not mistaken, in Little Women, and um, the other movie that I can't think of the name of that we really liked a lot last year. Eliza Scanlon. Baby Teeth, Baby Teeth. Um, Eliza Scanlon, yep. Of course, that also makes me, given her other movies, I'm pretty sure I can guess her her uh, outcome in, in old. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I'm I've been a Shyamalan fan for a while, so I'm very very hopeful. And also, I'm an M Night Shyamalan <laughs> fan, so I know there's a real chance that it won't be good. My dog <laughs> agrees. The dog scared the hell out of me then so uh Sorry. well i think no no
0: that's fine the dog is uh, obviously just buying in on what kind of m night film we're going to get but you'll find out next week what we think about it so if you want to uh, uh watch it beforehand do so then come and check us out next week uh if you want to hear more from us you can do on social media at twitter at BAMP underscore podcast at b a m p underscore podcast john instagram where are we we're at bloody awesome movie pod yes we are facebook bloody awesome movie podcast individually you can find me uh, on all of the socials just search what i watch tonight including letterbox and what i watch tonight.co.uk uh john where are you
1: i'm at berk uh, for at least another couple of years and at BurkeReviews on all the social media platforms
0: Yep, Go and check out uh, all of John's movie club. Check out some of mine too. They're really good. Um, however, we'd also love it if you could maybe check out a few of the uh, podcast review rating sites and give us five stars. Five stars really, really helps us out. It helps us grow, gets more listeners in, uh, and gets more engagement with fellow film fans, which is what we're all here for. So if you do have a spare minute, we would absolutely idolise you for dropping five stars on your podcast provider of choice. However, that being said, as always, stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies awesome.